This is so you can hear me. This is in case I get a phone call. And this is to lend a little bit of credibility to what I have to say. Does that make any sense? I was going to do the same thing you did, Butch. <laughs> you stole my idea. So, um, does anybody heat with wood? Anybody got like a fireplace or a wood stove or anything? How many people have got a fire lit this weekend? All right, not many. <laughs> we lit our first fire this weekend, and it feels good. But uh, we live up on Glen Lily, up top there, and there was no frost there, but when I came down into town, y'all got all kind of frost down here. It's crazy. Usually we get the cold weather and you don't. I'm just wasting time here because I don't have anything to say, so just shooting the breeze. This story, I love this story out of Mark. Um, are you familiar with how the different writers tell the same story? Like John is like a philosopher. He's, he's like really deep and, and will take you places you didn't think he could take you. Uh, Matthew's all about, he's a, well, for one, he's, he's a uh, former tax collector, but he's, he's all about the kingdom. And uh, Luke is the only Gentile who writes um, a gospel. And Mark is a young guy, and he's, uh, he's always in a hurry. He says immediately and straightway and, you know, really quick and in a hurry. He's, he's always going someplace fast. And even in this story, um, I don't know if this version said it, but it says immediately, immediately. So he's, you're out of breath when you follow along with Mark. But the way he, t this is early in the gospel, and so this is one of the first, uh, like, miracle stories that, that Mark writes about. And uh, it has all the key ingredients that, that you need for a really good story, because we're talking about stories these days. So in this story, you've got a guy who's paralyzed. And, and um, I'm not singling out any kind of malady as, or, or illness or whatever as being worse than anything else, but... If you're, if you're blind, you can kind of make your way around. If you're crippled, you can find your crutch and make your way around. This guy is going nowhere. You know, he's like a barnacle on a ship or a, a rock on a cliff or a knot on a piece of wood. He's not going anywhere without the assistance of somebody else. So he's, he's paralyzed, and, and he hears that Jesus is coming to town. No doubt he got that word, you know, Jesus is coming to town. And yet there's nothing he can do about it. On his own. There's not a thing he can do about it. So you've got him, and then you've got his posse of friends who, um, it doesn't say anything about this in Mark, but you get the feeling that, that this is not the only encounter they had with this guy. That they would have probably taken him meals from time to time. Uh, maybe, <laughs> I said in 815, maybe took him to the camel races, you know, when it came to town, whatever. But he, they had normal contact with this guy and, and um, tried to give him whatever life he could have, you know, stuck where he was stuck. So they were caring, but they were also inventive, you know. Who tears a hole in a roof like that? So they, they bring him to Jesus, tear the hole in the roof, and lower him down. And I'm just pointing out a few things that I'm really not going to talk about, but you need to think about it in this story. And when they come, they don't say a word. Please, can you help our friend? Our guy needs, you know, your touch, whatever. They don't say a word. They just go to digging and they lower him down. And the paralytic doesn't say a word. He doesn't ask for anything. And at the end, he doesn't 
thank him or anything. He just gets up and walks out. So I, I don't know if that was on purpose. I've pondered that and thought, so we've got these people who need help, the guy who needs help and the, guy who bring, the guys who bring him, and they don't say anything. they just quiet. Then you've got a, a Jesus who is coming home. He's popular, popular. Everybody wants to come and see him and hear him. And he's, he's stuck in this crowded house. Ooh, you could make a rock band out of that. Stuck in a crowded house. And, and they, can't, they can't get the guy to Jesus, so they lower him through the roof. And then Jesus does all the talking. And, and the temple police do all the thinking, and as typical. And they're against, you know what? This is a rabbit trail. I think that Jesus literally could have given each one of them a $100 bill. And they would have complained that it was in 50s instead of 20s. They, everything he did, they had to, you know, poke a stick in it. So they're watching him. The, he gives this guy life, total life and healing and whole, you know, you used the word hope and healing just a minute ago. Gave him all of that, and, and they're going to poke holes in it. Some, he, you did something wrong. Just let that lay where it is. So there are uh, several key things in this story that I think we need to look at this morning. One is we got a paralyzed guy. Let's just start there. And I thought, you know, there's not going to be anybody in any of the groups that I speak to this morning who are physically paralyzed. But every single one of us can identify with paralysis. We know what it's like to be paralyzed. To be paralyzed by grief. To be paralyzed by depression. To be paralyzed by anxiety to be paralyzed by some sort of substance addiction, to be paralyzed by the need to succeed, to be paralyzed by the need to be number one, to be paralyzed by low self-esteem. I mean, you, we, the list could go on and on. If we opened this up, we could just be here all morning listing all the things that paralyze us. We have relationships that are claustrophobic, and we're stuck in them, and we don't know what to do. And, and you know, we have certain people in our life who demand all of our attention and they're, and they're dysfunctional and they're hurting themselves and we don't know what to do it and and our life is paralyzed because of that we have jobs we get stuck in we have all kinds of we have career tracks we get stuck in we have all kinds of things that paralyze us you you know that feeling and you don't know it at 10 o'clock in the morning and you probably don't at three in the afternoon but you do at night 10 30 11 12 o'clock when you're laying in bed alone and it's dark and the day is done, and you sit there, and you start thinking about your day, and thinking about your life, and it just gets this overwhelming, just this claustrophobic, I'm stuck. I'm going nowhere. I know what I'd like to be. I know where I'd like to go, but I can't. I'm just stuck. It could be a spiritual thing. It could be an emotional thing. It could be a mental thing, a relational thing, but we understand what it means to be paralyzed. There's not a single person in this room who doesn't say, yes, I get that feeling. I've been there. I've done that. So we understand paralysis. But the other thing we have in this um, story is we have a, an impenetrable building. You can't, you can't get in the building. There's a wall between you and, and Jesus. You know, there's a, a roof, walls, everything. You can't. So there's a structure between you and him that's been built by somebody else. You didn't build it. It's been built by somebody else. And so there's some of us here today, I think we can identify with this as well, 
that in our past, we have, maybe in our formative years, probably in our formative years, we have been fed misinformation about God. Well-meaning preachers, well-meaning parents, well-meaning teachers, and, and just people in general, maybe the culture we grew up in, taught us things about God that simply weren't true, and they built a wall between us and God. It's, it's, um, the big word would be it's bad theology. Theology is simply what we think about God. That's theology. And we've been fed, misled by bad theology, poor theology, deceptive theology. I grew up with a God who was, I was scared to death of him. Every night, can you imagine, four years old, every night going to bed thinking, I'm gonna, if I die, I'll go to hell tonight. What, what kind of God is that, that, that you're fed this kind of misinformation? Or you were told that God loved you, but in my case, it was like he'll let you in the house, but you have to sit in the corner right by the front door that, so, so he can tell you to leave. So it was a, it was a very tolerant love. It wasn't a, a, an adoring love. It was, a, it was a tolerant love. Another part of the wall that was built between me and Jesus was this idea that I was, I don't know, second class. I was not worthy. So God is scary and, and I'm unworthy. I'm a bad person. And I don't, know, I don't know about you. I grew up literally until not too long ago, until thinking I was a bad boy. I'm a bad person. I'm damaged goods. God, that's why, I've, that's why God tolerates me and will let me, barely let me in the, the, and sit in the back corner because I'm damaged goods. Um, I don't think anybody set out to intentionally tell me those lies. Let's lie to Wendell. I, th I, think, I think it just kind of happens. I think a lot of misinformation is passed down to us that's been passed down to them that was passed down to them. And it's, it's this generational cyclical thing that it's, it's this dis dysfunction breeds dysfunction breeds dysfunction breeds. It just keeps. And so that's part of the wall. And so um, I don't know how much time I've got. When I first, when I got kicked out of my last church. Yeah. I, I rode horses with people who sold drugs and made moonshine, and my church people didn't like that. And there were several other reasons, too. So I was basically uninvited to stay. <laughs> I'm not going to say I was literally, you got to leave, but it was, I was uninvited to stay. So my wife and I packed up, and we moved to Bowling Green in our, uh, in our late 50s. No home. We were homeless for a little while. No home, no job, no money, no nothing. We just moved to Bowling Green because I knew that that's where we were supposed to move. And I got a job. And the first job I ever got, I just learned this this morning, Adam. I just talking to somebody at the 815. I got this job after school giving Pop-Tarts and, and sippy drinks to kids after school. And I was working for a guy who was younger than my children. And I thought, what is this? What, I went from being a senior pastor to handing out Pop-Tarts and sippy drinks. But the, the person who ran that program, she was my age. And so we sat down one day in her office and I said, where do you go to church? 
She said, I go to Broadway. I said, where's that? She said, you can't get there from here. I said, you know, it's, it's tucked back in this neighborhood somewhere. This is before the Greenwood campus. And so she told me how to get here. And so I, I told Robbie, my wife, I said, you know what? We ought to try this church out. And so we did the very next Sunday. And that was in 05. And we've never left. And part of being, at, no, not part, the whole part of being in Broadway was that slowly but surely that wall was being deconstructed. It was being brick by brick, block by block, that wall was being torn down. And I was learning, how do I say this? We don't unlearn that bad theology conceptually. We unlearn it spiritually and in our hearts because we're traumatized as a child. And trauma is not fixed by new concepts. Trauma is fixed by healing. And so I found, we found a healing church and they had just started Celebrate Recovery. We started going to that. And, and then eventually I became the Celebrate Recovery pastor and then we changed to Pathway. So the wall that was constructed was deconstructed slowly but surely since 05 here and now it's oh i don't know past 10 or 15 years it's been reconstruction you know you have to have the deconstruction but then you have reconstruction and the adventure has been to be on staff here and and to be with adam be with laura and be with the various staff members here and realize we're all reconstructing we're all discovering new the healing and hope that comes with following jesus and and it used to be that Pathway was the healing ministry at Broadway. All of Broadway is a healing ministry now. It, the whole church, everywhere, here, Greenwood, all the services. We're about hope and healing as a church. That's why so many people are coming and, and want to, what, what's your church about? We're, we're about hope and healing. So you got the paralytic. We all understand that. You got the wall. We all understand that. We understand the wall part. And then you've got Jesus who takes 180s. I mean, he, he just takes turns you don't think he's going to take. Duh, the guy's lowered through a roof on the mat. He can't walk. He can't move. Do you see his problem, Jesus? You know, obvious to everybody what the issue was. And Jesus looked at the guy and didn't say anything about his physical malady. He said, you're forgiven. Of course, the temple police throw rocks mental rocks but he picks it up and then he heals his body that's another thing that I've learned here at Broadway over time that I grew up thinking that my basic issue in life was a sin issue and that I was a wicked person I was evil person and so this sin needed to be transactionally forgiven you know I had I had to have papers to show that this has been wiped clean you're you've got the papers now to show that the transaction's been made and you're, and you're judicially forgiven. And what I've come to learn in Broadway, in Pathway, just in the reconstruction, is exactly what happened in this story right here. That Jesus looked in the guy and he says, I want to make you back to what my dad and I had in mind when you were conceived. I want to get you up walking and I want to get you healed on the inside. So we're going to forgive you and we're going to heal your body and we're going to make you whole. 
Do you see the difference between that? And let's get this paper signed here. You know, I'm going to get you to jump through a couple hoops, say a prayer or two, you know, and, and, and we'll get this all fixed up. And, and now, and I'll give you a certificate and you'll be good to go. You see the difference? Instead, Jesus said, I want to touch your whole body and your whole soul, everything about you. And I want to transform it. I want to make it new. I want to get a hold of that, don't you? I want to say, yeah, that's who I want to be out in the world, that I'm a person who brings hope and healing to people. Well, look at the rest of the story. You have a Jesus who, who 100% wants to transform this guy's life. That's his whole agenda is to make this guy new. And, and you've got a guy who needs to be made new. He, but he's completely helpless to do anything about it. The pictures that I got in my mind was like a, a barnacle on a ship or a, a, a knot on a tree or whatever, a piece of gravel in a driveway. It, he's, he's just, he, he can't do a thing. So you've got the perfect storm. He can't do anything. You've got a guy who can do everything. How do we get the two together? How are we going to make this happen? Otherwise, he's stuck over here this side of town, and Jesus is over here doing his thing on this side of town. That's where we come in. That's this healing community. He had some friends who said, this won't do. We're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to sit by and watch this day pass and not do something for our guy over here. And so they literally picked him up. There's nothing in the story about him asking them. They just go pick him up and take him to Jesus. And when they find a challenging situation, they get their little engineer minds working and they figure out a way to get him to Jesus. They didn't try to fix him. They didn't try to correct him. They didn't preach to him. They didn't teach him or anything like that. They simply brought him to Jesus. That's all they, and they didn't even say a word. They just brought him to Jesus and let Jesus do what Jesus does. And I think, invite, grow, serve. Invite right there on the wall. That's, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to do that. You don't have to, you know, be a brain surgeon or whatever. You, you just simply find people you care about. Find people who are bleeding out, people who are hurting, people who are desperate, people who are paralyzed. And you say, can we bring you, you know, if they're afraid to come, we, we tell people all the time in Pathway, they'll, they'll call me and they'll say, how do I get help for my friend? You know, I think Pathway would be a good option for them. How do I get them there? And I say, bring them. <laughs> Duh. Just bring them. They, I mean, if you got a car, do you have keys for that car? You know, just bring them and sit with them and be with them. Tell them where they can get coffee. You know, tell them where the restrooms are. And, and make them feel comfortable. All of us can do this. All of us can do this. Okay, so I don't know how I'm working on time, but I've got to just tell you this, okay? So, are, am I good? Uh, okay. Um, so, um, when I got kicked out of my church in Tennessee, when, when I was invited not to come back um, to the church in Tennessee, when I came to Bowling Green, I swore up and down. I will never, ever again be involved in organized religion. I don't trust it. I don't trust the, trust the authority figures. I don't trust preachers. I do now. I don't trust. I don't. Look at me now. 
And it's, it's because, I'm going to get all emotional here. I found healing at this place. My life is different because of this place. Why wouldn't I want to invite people to this place? And it's not the place, it's the people here. There is an, an atmosphere of grace. There's an atmosphere. I kept telling Adam when I first got hired, I said, when's the other shoe going to drop? And he'd look at me, there is no other shoe. You know, I kept thinking, this is too good to be true. Well, it is too good to be true, but it is true that God is at work here and there's hope and healing. And we can do our part by inviting people. Our, that's our job. And you know what? We got doors you don't have to bust through the roof. We can bring them in the door. It works. Let's talk to Jesus. Jesus, uh, wow, this story is just profound. It's powerful. It's life-changing. And, it, and we identify with so many different aspects of the story. And, and we can do our part. We, well, we may be the paralytic. I don't know. But we could do our part, like this posse of friends who brought their guy. And we know that you're faithful and that you'll do the rest. You do what needs to be done. And so we look forward to how this plays out. We're just going to watch and do our part and see how it plays out. We want to get in the flow of all this. And we know you'll help us do that. And we will talk to you later. It's all yours, Adam. Let's thank Wendell. You know, our, our goal in this series is to tell stories of healing, and Wendell's, <clears throat> Wendell's an, an example of that, and I appreciate you sharing that as, as a message and really as a testimony because you, you are a, a living example of the thing we're talking about. And uh, that's been our goal, to take these stories of Scripture, our stories, and find a compelling vision for church. Um, and, um, and so as we were planning, sort of pull, peel back the curtain for a second, you know, we, we started thinking of stories that would fit in different places, and we were committed in this series to telling a story on video, a testimony story, and we made a list, and we started and kind of rearranged things, and I had, I had someone slotted for this, uh, for this message, and uh, just kind of didn't ask him, and I just kind of wasn't sure and was kind of holding off, and then it kind of over time felt maybe it wasn't right. And so I never asked them, and it could have been you, because I never, you would never know. Uh, but um, we also kind of worked with uh, time frames and deadlines. And so it was like a Thursday morning a few, several weeks ago, but we have a production schedule. And I had a little moment with God where I came to terms with the fact that it, I, I needed to ask somebody else. But I had no idea who. So I told God that he needed to get on that, basically. Uh, like, okay, fine, I understand we need to probably, that's not the right person, but we need to ask somebody else, but we got to get it now. Let, you're going to have to send me somebody. Uh, um, I put God on a time frame, and usually that doesn't work very well. Um, but that, that very day, I walked into here in the back of this room. It was, uh, we were setting up for a little angel's attic, and Gary Jolly walks up to me and says, do you have all of the slots filled for people to tell their story? And I just smiled. I didn't know what he was going to say, but I knew that story needed to be told. And uh, Gary has never told his story. How many of you know Gary? Uh, he's, he's here uh, today. Gary prays with me every Sunday, pretty much. Uh, uh, God, thank you for Adam. Uh, give him strength for the day and for the week. Amen. Nobody asked him ever to do that. He's just been doing that for years. He's been around for 40 years, but I don't think he's ever told his story. Uh, and today he's going to, so let's watch together.
I'm Gary Jolly. Uh, Martha and I have been members here for, for many years, uh, and this is my story. Uh, I grew up in a loving Christian home, uh, enjoyed church, uh, enjoyed our youth fellowship, uh, and then, uh, and then I went to college. And when I got to college, I found out that drinking, smoking weed, and chasing girls was a lot more fun than studying. So, um, you may know where this is going. Uh, finally had gotten to the point that, uh, we, the house that I lived in was right across the street from the uh, Wesley Foundation. Walter McGee was the campus minister, and I had been to some of their services before. So I sat on the front steps of the, this house, uh, drinking a cup of beer that I poured up from some uh, scraps around the house and picked up a handful of cigarette butts that had a puff or two in them. I'm sitting on the steps, beautiful day. I remember clear blue sky. It was cool, it was up in the fall, and I heard the music from across the street. And all of a sudden, it was just like a slap on the back of the head. God had slapped me on the back of the head. He said, Gary, you're a mess. You have dug yourself into a hole. If you don't get out of it, you, you, you know, you're just not gonna make it. So the next day, I drove back to Franklin where I grew up, and I talked to Pastor Glenn Sowers. And uh, Glenn talked with his hands a lot. And I told him my story, and he said, Gary, you're a mess. He said, it doesn't take much to turn a little Piper Cub around. It takes a lot to turn a big 747 around. And he said, you're that 747 right now. So uh, that was pretty realistic. Uh, he prayed with me. I know my mother had been praying because she kind of knew what was, had been going on. Uh, and uh, so I started um, going the other direction. Uh, and luckily, fortunately, I uh, met Martha. Uh, Martha always takes credit for straightening me out, but it was her and God. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, and I knew that if I was ever going to have any kind of relationship with her, I was going to have to get get out of these old habits. So, uh, fortunately, I did. Uh, we married. Uh, had two beautiful little girls, Melissa and Carrie. Carrie and Melissa. I'm not going to. I say them that way, so I'm not saying either one of them's name first. Uh, uh, good, you know, good life, uh, enjoyed, you know, the family and all. And unfortunately I developed a uh, physical malady that, uh, involved a lot of pain. I started taking, uh, hydrocodone and tramadol. Uh, and I had, uh, I guess you know where this is going. Uh, for several years, I lived day to day for those pills. Uh, and then, uh, we found out we we're going to be grandparents. So God reached down, smacked me on the head again <laughs> and uh, said, Gary, if you want to see these babies grow up, you're going to have to clean yourself up. So I went to the doctor and uh, the doctor put me on a kind of a weaning schedule. It was over several weeks and I thought it's just, it's just too long. So I just said a couple of prayers. I said, God, let's see what we can do. So I set the pill bottles where I could see them. And for about five, six, seven days, I went through some uh, withdrawal. Very unpleasant. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Uh, but uh, that was several years ago. Uh, I got cleaned up and I've been clean ever since. Uh, so I guess I'm uh, technically I'm burying my soul, but if it helps one person that hears this, then it's all been worthwhile. And like the old guy said, 
That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. How's that? The uh, possibility of a community, you know, there's a, the undercurrent of that video is a community of, of growth where hurts are healed. And um, imagine that that is a need in someone this morning, or maybe you know someone. Uh, so we want to create a healing moment. We're going to sing a song. And if you want to come up, our uh, pastors and uh, prayer team members will be up here to anoint you with oil. We do this often as a symbol of God's healing. There's no magic in the oil. But taking this step, and uh, coming to Jesus, there's something to that. Uh, if you want to have somebody come up with you, that seems in keeping with today's message. If you want to come and be prayed for, or if you want to pray for someone, if you simply want to be anointed with oil and come up, we invite you to come. So we'll create that moment now and uh, take some moments, some time, some space to imagine our lives in this story and being brought to Jesus and in the possibility of Jesus' desire to heal us completely to make us whole. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your power and your possibility that we find that we have all been invited into. We all get here somehow in that possibility that is by your grace alone. That you alone can do. And that you so desperately desire to do. Would you meet us in these moments as we pray and as we sing, perhaps praying silently in our seats for ourselves or for someone, or maybe coming up and asking for, for healing and being anointed? Would you move by your spirit so that our stories might be caught up in your great story of healing and salvation and redemption in Jesus Christ our Lord?